And many of us have an affinity towards Buddha, towards Christ, towards Paramahansa Yogananda, towards El Moria, of course. But this is the age of Aquarius. This is the age of Master R or Saint Germain. And so we're going to be working with his teachings. And uh, I've been told to call my work the wisdom that transcends knowledge because this is what we're moving towards. We're leaving behind the rational, finite thinking mind, and we're gonna to start to be working with our higher mind because we're gonna be start to be working with our astral self. As we move into the fourth frequency and the fifth frequency, we're gonna be working with our astral abilities. Astral abilities, or you could think of them as the clairs, clairsentience, clairvoyance, claircognizance, telekinesis, teleportation, etc. Those are talents, abilities, and aspects of the I am, of what we really are, which have nothing to do with the physical body. RJ Spina, welcome on the show. What are you most excited about right now in your life? Well, th thank you for having me. What, am I, what a great question. Yes. What am I most excited about? I, I think the, the opportunity that continues to unfold for me to be able to assist humanity in its liberation and its ascension up the frequencies, the ability to be here. I'm, uh, sometimes I, I can't believe that I get, I get to be here in this suit as RJ and continue to do my earthly work. I'm most grateful that I get to serve um, as beautifully and as powerfully as I can. Yeah. And it was definitely within your life plan to be able to be doing what you're doing. Your last name being Spina. I am from Latin America. I'm Colombian. So I know La Spina means the spine. And you literally to do things that were unlimited and that were extraordinary in your life, you first had to become unlimited and extraordinary within yourself. Um, before really unwrapping exactly um, everything that happened to you in order to get where you are right now, I'd love to cover your take, your pulse on what is going on in the world right now in terms of moving up in these frequencies from this third frequency up into the fifth, maybe even higher realms. Um, where do you see humanity heading? You, you talked about the freeing of humanity. What exactly are we getting freed from and where are we going? Oh, what a great question. Okay, I'm not surprised. All right, so what are, what are we getting free from, Amelia? So I would say what we're freeing ourselves from is the ego mind identity or what I call the EMI. Now, if we looked at that EMI from a purely physics perspective, EMI also stands for electromagnetic interference, which is not a coincidence. So essentially, we have aligned and attuned ourselves through reincarnation to everything that we are not. All the beliefs, concepts, ideologies, the suit itself, the physical garment that, that hangs above the or over the I am. We have misperceived and misunderstood and therefore misidentified. And if you added all of those things together, the conglomeration of all those misperceptions, misunderstandings and misidentifications becomes our human character, which is the ego mind identity. So what we are really, really letting go of or transcending is our identification to everything that we've held on to before. And what we're really witnessing is from my perspective, 
is the thrashings of a dying consciousness. And some are uh, going, going with a smile on their face and others are going kicking and screaming. Uh, but we're going. <laughs> so Resistance. Yeah, re exactly. Resistance. So, And there is no resistance. <clears throat> everything is one thing. Everything is connected. There are no locks and bolts to anything. And so therefore we create the resistance through the identification. And when we cease with identifications, ego, mind, identity, it becomes uh, the effortless effort. And we will actually go up into higher frequencies and, and more uh, enlightened states of consciousness almost without an effort. Yeah. And you're living proof because around 2016, you went through a catastrophic septic shock that ravaged your whole body. And you said to your health practitioner, I think there was a deep knowing within you. You said, I'm willing to break everything in order to put myself back together. There's only 65 cases of the condition that you had. And within such a short amount of time, I think you gave yourself 100 days. You were paralyzed from the chest down. There's videotapes of you beginning to slowly move your ankles, slowly move your foot, walking again, and then walking fast up a hill toward the end of those days. And I love to walk people through your intention and desire to walk again where did that exactly come from because a lot of people get that diagnosis or prognosis and they say i'm not going to walk again i guess i'm going to be best friends with a wheelchair the rest of my life what was your desire and intention it's almost like you sort of knew that this challenge was being presented in your life because you wanted to prove something um what was that exactly well i i wanted to prove to myself yet again that i could put my destroyed body back together again. Uh, and so I gave myself a, a worthy challenge. I, I put a destroyed body, uh, quote unquote, permanently paralyzed, uh, told I had 48 hours to live, ravaged with diseases, life-threatening conditions. And when I woke up from emergency surgery, uh, it was like a muscle memory, Emilio is the best way to say it. I, I literally remembered how self-healing and self-realization self or enlightenment, which are the same thing, how they actually work. And right there in the ICU, as you and as you stated, I documented all this right there in the ICU. I started explaining the enlightened metaphysics of self-healing and self-realization in great detail, in great detail. And I literally explained in 100 days, I'll walk out of here. I'll be completely healed and I'll have no issues whatsoever. And meanwhile, I was obviously told the complete opposite that my paralysis was permanent, that the diseases that I have are genetic. There's nothing that you can do about them. The life-threatening conditions that you're experiencing of, of autonomic dysreflexia, the life-threatening your uh, conditions you're experiencing, there's no medication for these things. There's nothing that you can do about any of them. Now, what I wanna say most importantly about all of that is that all of us are going to have to decide whether we're going to be a consumer or a creator. Now, I decided a long ago that I wouldn't be a consumer, a consumer of opinions, a consumer of beliefs, a consumer of limitations, a consumer of concepts, a consumer of ideologies. Now, even though all these well-meaning, highly educated medical professionals who only wanted the best for me, I was not interested in consuming their opinion whatsoever. I know what I am. I am a creator and I create my reality. So I knew if I went deep inside, deeply and dedicated myself 100%, not 
100% and never wavered that I would put my destroyed body back together in 100 days. And that's exactly what I did. And those understandings make up, as you know, those understandings make up the Ascend the Frequencies healing technique that now uh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people have availed themselves of and they've been able to improve their health and not just their health, improve their entire state of being and state of consciousness in ways that they that they didn't think was possible. I knew, I knew that I would do this. I absolutely knew that I would do this. And I, I absolutely knew that I gave myself this, this challenge and that I was ready for it. And also you knew that you were gonna do this, but you were unattached to the outcome. And that's really key here because you said that there was only one prayer that you ever said in the hospital, and that was mighty spirit, thy will, not mine be done, which is that state of total surrender. If you want to speak into what exactly that does when we're going through a process of radical transformation that is going to require that spirit, whatever that is, if you want to get into it, to use that will to heal the body and to change our life completely? Oh, another great question. I, I would love to go into that a little bit. So let me give some context to that in, in very human, uh, human terms. When I was in the ICU, I, I think it was day two uh, of after having the surgery, <clears throat> the, the neurosurgeon came in, the infectious disease doctor was there, the neurosurgeon came in, uh, my partner was there, and the neurosurgeon, he's a fantastic neurosurgeon, and he wound up explaining that he's done thousands of these surgeries, he's been doing it for 25 years, he's a great surgeon in La Jolla, California, a sought after neurosurgeon. And he explained to me and to everyone else that there's no way that I could walk again. He's been doing this forever. It's absolutely impossible. And that I need to get used to the fact that I'm going to be paralyzed from the chest down for the rest of my life and then walked out and then literally just, just walked out. Now, I, I'm empowering. Right, right. Now, good, good luck. <laughs> so go get him, RJ. So uh, now this is really the key statement that, that, goes, to, that goes to your brilliant question. Okay. Now, upon hearing that, the infectious disease doctor was actually quite upset. My partner almost had a breakdown at that news as well, and cer certainly understandably so. Now, at that moment, I turned, I turned to both of them and I said, just so you know, I'm absolutely going to walk again. And even if I don't, I'm at peace with everything. That's the key part. You got it. This <laughs> that is, last part. This is it. So now this, the, 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 the juxtaposition seems for the ego mind identity, right? Which operates with a logic and linearity program, which are subsets of space and time, cannot hold two truths simultaneously. It just, it just cannot do that. Now the I am, the sentience, the, the soul, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever word you want to use, absolutely can. In fact, the I am is so infinitely abundant and infinitely spacious that it has room for everything, including holding the idea that I will absolutely walk again. And even if I don't, I'm at peace with everything. So it's those two things, my friend, are the absolute key. Now, how do we how do we do that? What, what does that mean? It's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to embody it, embody it and then, quote unquote, do the impossible. So. The it's everything starts with desire and intention, which are the two highest frequency of creation itself. And the order of creation, as I experience it directly, is desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, and then behavior. And that's the order frequentially. 
So we are most powerful at the higher frequencies of desire and intention. So my desire and intention was to obviously unparalyze myself and walk. Now, the key to this first part is this unification between desire and intention and the self, what we really are, the I am, the sentience, the soul, whatever spirit, whatever word you want to use. The unification of the desire and intention and self. So it's one thing and it has been harmonized into the resting state. Now, this is essential. The resting state means this is now the frequency that we emanate 24-7. 24-7. So there's unification of desire, intention, and self in the resting state. Now, once you have done that, you are emitting the frequency of the victory. You are emitting the frequency of the desire fulfilled. 24-7. And so now your outer reality, which includes your physical body, is eventually going to have to match up to the frequency that you're emanating. That's number one. Number two is being at peace with everything means that there's no longer any resistance and you are in a joyous state of the actual act of creation and you're not in a rush to get to the end point. Those two things, my friend, at the same time is the superhuman. That's the superhuman and it will allow humanity to create whatever reality they desire for themselves and there will be no sort of concept of a limiting belief anymore but it's holding those two things at the same time, which our fragmented mind, our subconscious pattern, egoic mind, or the ego mind identity cannot do that. But the real you can do it effortlessly. And you said that the sentience almost like creates a life plan that you've described sort of like a tree of life. And every time that we doubt, it creates like a branch out into another reality. So if I have from point A, being broken in my whole body or whatever someone wants to create in their life. And then point B is the desired outcome. Any moment that we doubt creates a parallel reality. If you would like to get into what happens with that power of staying focused and not allowing anything else to doubt our thoughts and our will, what happens then when we don't allow doubt? Another great question. I love it. Okay. So, I say in the book that doubt is death. Okay, now doubt is, is the death of your desire and intention. Okay, so from my direct experience, the tree of life is exactly what we're talking about. Okay, so let's think of our main, the main trunk of the tree. So let's think of the main trunk as our set out life plan before we reincarnate. The thing, all the data points along the life plan that we're going to experience and the purpose of those data points ultimately are to be so life-altering that they wake us up into a state of self-realization and we move past the limitations of the ego mind identity. That's actually what those data points are for. Okay, so if we go back to what you were, your question, the main trunk would be being completely and utterly on your life plan. No questions, no wavering. Intuitively, you know what to do moment to moment, day to day. You know what to say, what not to say, who to do it with, when to do it, and so on and so forth. Intuitively guided. Okay. Now we're on that, we're on that life plan, the main trunk, solid, all that energy in that trunk, right? Now, as soon as the ego mind identity or the program subconscious egoic mind takes over instead of the I am or who and what we really are is leading the incarnation, the I the this the ego mind identity will doubt. They're like, well, but what about this? But what if I can't do this? But what if this happens? But what if I'm not smart enough? What if I'm not strong enough? 
Okay. So now what happens is instead of going along the life plan, we have now created an alternate option of things not coming to fruition. So now the energy that ultimately is best served to actually complete the trunk and go along your life plan, it now goes in this direction. But what if this happens? So now that energy branches off and we now have created a parallel condition. So whenever there's energy behind anything, that means that there's evolution possible. And so because it's all God, source, creator, and God, source, creator is obsessed with its own, its own evolution, as, as, as I am, then that actually comes to fruition. And then a parallel reality is created. Now that energy is now going towards a branch of the tree instead of maintaining the strength of the trunk. So every time we doubt ourselves, we create a branch and we're weakening ourselves energetically and we're taking ourselves off our, our main trunk or our main life plan. And that, when we step back from a higher consciousness perspective and actually look at that, that is actually the tree of life. So the key is, if we want to be as powerful as we possibly can, is to never doubt ourselves. And how to never doubt ourselves is to never let the ego mind identity or the pattern subconscious mind make the decisions in our life to be so present and deeply connected to who and what we are that intuitively we know what to do. The rational thinking, finite, fragmented mind never actually gets in the way, never creates a parallel condition, thus weakening ourselves energetically and thus making the fulfillment of our initial desire and our life plan less likely to actually occur. Mm. So let's put on our Avengers suit right now and go completely multiversal right now because you've mentioned that we are in this physical universe but really essentially that's not all there is that's not who we are that isn't at all who we are we are not these bodies and when you were in those deep states of gnosis and meditation uh, in the icu room you were in in many senses traversing the multiverse and understanding and downloading all of these metaphysical teachings into your system so how would you start to break down for someone what exactly is the multiverse because we're in this band of frequencies but there's only one dimension uh with a lot of different frequencies but there's something way beyond that that isn't even physical structure in itself they're like the building blocks of this universe. How would you begin to break down what we're in in this multiverse? Another great question. I would, I would begin very carefully and, and accurately, hopefully. <laughs> okay, so we often hear the term that we're in the third dimension and going into the fourth or fifth. Okay, so the first thing I want to be clear about is that uh, energy does not exist dimensionally. Energy exists in frequency or frequentially. So we are not in the third dimension. We are actually in the third frequency of the first full dimension, which actually has 12 frequency bands. Now we're at, believe it or not, we're at the very bottom of this multiversal structure. And because the energies are so dense, they actually band, the bottom three frequencies band together to form one thing, height, weight, width, and one reality, which we call a three-dimensional reality what we see as matter, what we see as physical. Right, exactly. It's simply just energy vibrating at a specific uh, frequency band. So everything is just energy and matter is the momentary solidification of a, a specific viewpoint based upon the frequency in which we're viewing these things as well as our own level of sentience. I know that's mm -hmm. kind of deep, but that's, that's actually the truth. Okay, so yeah. this multiversal structure 
the entire physical universe, all of physical reality, exists within this bottom one dimension that has 12 full frequencies. So when people talk about the third dimension, the fifth dimension, the seventh dimension, from my direct experience, they're actually talking about frequency. Now, once you get to the 12th frequency band, there's, there's the end of what, from a human perspective, there'd be no more so-called physicality. The 13th frequency is kind of like a viewing station where all manner of sentience, existence, entities, beings are viewing everything that goes on within the physical universe. And then once you pierce, and that's kind of what it feels like, you pierce a membrane mm. of the first full dimension. It's kind of like you just... And you actually just go through it. And now you're in the bottom frequency of the second full dimension. And there's no such thing as physicality. And your desire and intention, as soon as you have a desire and intention, it happens instantaneously. Now that continues. There's a second dimension all the way through the 12th. And each one of these dimensions, second through 12, have 36 frequencies. Because the energies are so light, there's much more space between them all. But the first full dimension is absolutely unique and that's where all incarnation actually takes place. Now, once we're able to move all the way to the top of the entire multiversal structure, which is inside of God, source, creator, whatever word you wanna use, it's actually inside of God, the image that I give, it's inaccurate. It's just an image, it's something for the mind to work. So imagine God is, a, is shaped like a person, which is, so far from the truth, but anyway, God shaped like a person. So imagine God hollowed out, say from the waist down, hollowed itself out. And then in that area of itself, <clears throat> it created the structure, this multiversal structure. And then above that would be pure uncreated source or God, God source creator. So when we actually leave the multiversal structure and we pierce the membrane at the top of the 12th full dimension, we actually go into pure God or pure source creator. And now you're outside of the structure itself. There's nothing but God. I mean, everything here is God as well, but there's no creation. It's pure God. So the multiversal structure, 12 full dimensions, the bottom dimension and dimensions house frequencies. They house mm -hmm. frequencies. The bottom first dimension are all these 12 frequencies and that's where all physicality actually exists. And then beyond that, no, no sort of physicality. And then beyond the 12th full dimension is actually God. And then you can actually leave God itself and go beyond God. And when this started happening for me, this actually started happening for me when I was a kid. Yeah. And when I would leave the confines of the multiverse and God itself, this is when I kind of questioned my sanity or I began to question my sanity because when I was experiencing God directly, that was, that was okay. But when I, when I went outside of God, I was like, what, this is, this is impossible. There's nothing beyond God. This, I, I've just lost it. I, I've lost my mind. That's just the way it is. But there really is a, a, a lineage. It's incredibly rare, but there really is a, line, a lineage. And the Hindu masters talked about the absolute and the all there is and the 12 gods that exist. And this is what the Elohim are. And that's still in the Christian and Judea, without going too far, Emilio, that's still in the Judeo-Christian text. So I was experiencing what was beyond our God or the other gods, the Elohim, and then the absolute or the all there is. And these are some of the things that I teach in uh, my self-mastery course. Yeah. And you dedicated your book, Supercharged Self-Healing, to the masters 
who test their divine perfection, iron will, and cosmic consciousness in their efforts to free and lead humanity. So who are these masters that you are referring to when you dedicate this whole journey of yours of, you know, authentic healing? Who are they and what have they represented in your life? Hmm. Okay. So the, the, uh, these are the ascended masters. And there are, from my direct experience, there are 13, what I call old school. <laughs> the OGs. The OGs. You got it. You got it. There are 13 so there's 12 gods and then there's the absolute or the all there is as the hindu masters from my perspective absolutely captured correctly so there's this there's all of existence and this all of existence created 12 mini versions of itself so it could understand itself and the these masters the ascended masters are the true teachers the true timeless teachers of humanity and each one is represented by these different gods and so there's there's 13 of them. So when we talk about beings like uh, Master Sananda, which we know as, as Christ, that being's name is actually Master Sananda. But when we talk about Christ, we talk about Buddha, we talk about uh, Saint Germain, we talk about El Moria, we talk about Paramahansa Yogananda. We're talking about these are the old school ascended masters, the timeless teachers of humanity who keep showing up here to move consciousness forward and what I think is new to humanity is the understanding that these beings are actually from these different gods. El Moria, mm -hmm. for my uh, master M, who was Sri Yukteswar, who was uh, Akbar the Great, who was King Arthur, uh, among other incarnations, that, that specific ascended master is actually from our god. All these other ascended masters, Buddha, Christ, Saint Germain, who's known as Master R, they're from these different gods. They have been projected or donated from the Elohim. They are the children of the Elohim. They have been donated into each other's environment, each other's version of the multiversal structure, so they could experience what, what each one of their colleagues is doing and also assist in the evolution of them and the creation. And so the Ascended Masters do keep showing up. I know it's it's a it's an accepted spiritual belief that these beings are being channeled all the time, but it's not an accepted belief that they keep reincarnating. And some of them are here now. And so they keep reoccurring or re reincarnating over and over again to move the consciousness forward. And they have been doing this since before time was even invented. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your take on this because there are these cyclical times in humanity around 26,000 years and, and the last cyclical period was many, many traditions call this the age of Pisces and now how we're entering the age of Aquarius. I was learning the other day about Ascended Masters and that Jesus and Buddha were sort of the teachers of the past age of Pisces. And now we have beings and Ascended Masters like Saint Germain coming in um, in this period of the Aquarian age. I'd love to hear your take on that because as well, people are probably asking themselves how do i work with these ascended masters in my life i know i know that in this lifetime you've encountered i think it was one of the og ascended masters and and, and another one um, i'd love to hear that experience if you're open to sharing and how do we start working directly with these ascended masters okay brilliant question after brilliant question my friend okay so all of us whether we, you know, consciously, we probably don't know this, but some of, some of us do. All of us are aligned to one specific ascended master. So in, in other words, that means we've worked with them. 
we've worked with their teachings in their previous incarnations and in our previous incarnations, even though it's all happening at the same time. But we've, we've worked with them. We're, we're familiar with their consciousness and their energy. And all of us are aligned to one of them. Now, many, many people, many, many souls that are here now are aligned to Master R. Master R is, uh, some of the incarnations of Master R are St. Germain, Merlin, Moses, uh, St. Joseph, the father of Christ, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, the true author of uh, Shakespeare's plays, Gilgamesh. Um, I, could, I could go on and on. I list, I list most of them. Uh, Amelia Earhart, Christopher Columbus, uh, and others. So now that being, most of us that are here now, that are here for this ascension, are aligned with Master R, or, or people know as Saint Germain, aligned with Master R. Now, Master R keeps reincarnating different different versions from the same higher self, from the same higher self. So this one higher self, when it produces, this is my little uh, prop, it's my fist, but so like, an, <laughs> like <laughs> right, I got to try some stuff, Amelia. So think of this fist as an octopus. Just go with me, right? So when the octopus wants to know what the water is like down here, it drops one of its tentacles to see what the water is like. So when the higher self wants to experience the low frequencies of the physical universe, it projects an aspect or a soul, which is you or me, into physical reality. Now, those incarnations that I just talked about, those are all incarnations from the same higher self. Now, that higher self that's projecting those incarnations, most of us that are here now are aligned with Master R, or the being that we know as Saint Germain, which was just one incarnation of that higher self. Now, we are used to working with the teachings and the consciousness Plato was another incarnation of that of that being as well. So we're used to working with the teachings and the consciousness of Master R, and he is he is representative of this this turn in terms of uh, Sri Yukteswar to call these the yugas, right? The holy science, the the cyclical nature of twenty six thousand years. He is the Lord of alchemy. He understands healing and magic like no other, and so he's representative of this age. And so his teachings are vital for us to move our consciousness forward, to be able to work with ourselves properly as we ascend the frequencies, which is why I call everything I do ascend, ascend the frequencies. Now, all of us at some point or another may, may have encountered these other ascended masters, whether it be Buddha or Christ or Paramahansa Yogananda and so on and so forth. But everyone here now is working with the energies and the consciousness of Master R or Saint Germain, because it is the, it's like the missing spice it's a silly analogy. It's like the missing spice within the within the perfect stew. And so his consciousness and his energy as he keeps reincarnating here is the is the perfect element to make everything just right for our ascension. So we're we're all aligned, and some of us more so than others, we're all aligned with with Master R. And many of us have an affinity towards Buddha, towards Christ, towards Paramahansa Yogananda, towards El Moria, of course. But this is the age of Aquarius. This is the age of Master R or Saint Germain. And so we're going to be working with his teachings. And uh, I've been told to call my work the wisdom that transcends knowledge, because this is what we're moving towards. We're leaving behind the rational, finite thinking mind, and we're going to start to be working with our higher mind because we're going to be start to be working with our astral self. As we move into the fourth frequency and the fifth frequency, we're going to be working with our astral abilities. Astral abilities, or you could think of them as the clairs, clairsentience, clairvoyance, claircognizance, telekine telekinesis, teleportation, etc. 
Those are talents, abilities, and aspects of the I am, of what we really are, which have nothing to do with the physical body. And Master R is the, is the Lord of alchemy. He's the greatest wizard in other incarnations that's ever walked the earth. No one understands alchemy and healing like Master R. And so we're all working with these teachings, whether we realize it or not. And many of us are directly aligned with the consciousness and energies. And many of us have had actual incarnations and experiences with a, with a projection from that higher self, whether it be Moses or Plato or Merlin or St. Germain or, or Francis Bacon and so on and so forth. So this is the key to, to moving forward. The, the age of Pisces, and I'll, I'll stop rambling in a minute, the age of Pisces came to the culmination with the last incarnation of Master Sinander, the being that we know as, as Christ. Now, his earthly father, Joseph, St. Joseph, is an incarnation of St. Germain or Master R. And that was the handoff. That was the absolute handoff. And for people that don't know this, and I, I think almost all of humanity don't know this, there's all this missing years of Christ. Where did he go for, you know, about from 12 all the way to about 30, he just completely and utterly disappears. Well, his earthly father left his body or what we call died when Christ was 12, but he never went anywhere. He stayed right there and because of Christ's level of consciousness and not quite le yet level of purity that would come through the training, he was able to see his, his earthly father, which is Master R. And his earthly father led him on trips to Egypt, on trips to India. And I'm going to talk about this in a, in a future class and helped teach him the alchemy of healing and the alchemy of magic, as well as another great teacher that he took him to in India. And so that was the official handoff, Emilio. That, that was really the handoff between the age the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And it really went with his earthly son being Christ and Master R being St. Joseph. And then all those, some, all those other incarnations plus others that I mentioned before. Mm. And there's a lot of talk in, in spiritual communities just on that topic of magic. And a lot of people say, oh, this was black magic or, or this is all light, all white magic. How do you harness magic and alchemy in one's life to be able to ascend those frequencies down the line and be able to, to really tap into what it is to alchemize not only our physical bodies, but the whole outer reality, physical reality that we're seeing almost as an illusion? How do we start alchemizing things outside of us um, through that magic that you're talking about? I, I'm repeating myself when I say great question. Okay, but it's still, it's still true, Amelia. <laughs> Okay, Thank now, you, now magic, and when I say magic, as I say in the book and, and, the, and the next book, magic is M-A-G-I-C-K. Okay, I'm not talking about magic with C, pick a card, any card, and some Vegas show. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real magic. Now, real magic, from my direct experience, is the accessing and utilization of energies that lie outside of physical sensory perception. That's magic. That's also what metaphysics are. They're the exact same thing so we can take away the woo magic it's a metaphysics yeah the, 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 and it's what science is going to be called in the future you got it <laughs> exactly yesterday's <laughs> metaphysics is today's science today's metaphysics is tomorrow's science we're just when yes. we work with these teachings we're catching up yes we're way ahead of the curve when we work with these teachings okay so that's magic and metaphysics they're really the same thing now how to work with them properly from my direct experience there's there's one prerequisite detachment Detachment, okay? We can no longer identify ego, mind, identity. We can no longer identify with first this 
And if we cease to identify with this, we'll cease to identify with the rational thinking mind and the emotional body. We'll start to get some space. In that space, we have room to work. And that's how we actually do magic. And the Ascend the Frequencies healing, healing technique is magic. It's pure metaphysics. It's pure magic. I mean, how else do you put a destroyed body back together? Magic. That's how you do it with metaphysics, which is the, the same thing, right? But it starts with detachment. We have to start to work with what we are directly, the, the I am, the sentience, which is a fractal of God. Let's make no mistake about that. When we talk about man is created in God's image, what we're talking about is sentience, which is this divine intelligence that's given energy to create. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. God is sentience, given energy to create, and we are sentience, the I am, given energy to create. So when we detach from all identifications, starting with the form and then concepts, beliefs, ideologies, all the different things that the form has perceived through physical sensory perception, which limits and collapses consciousness and constricts energy, which makes magic and metaphysics impossible. So through detachment, we start to work with ourselves properly, and that's how we can do magic. And when we start with detachment, that we are pure creator awareness, given energy to create, we realize that there's no limitation. And then we harness desire, intention, and self and unify that in the resting state. Now our emanation is the, is the frequency, is the emanation of that desired result. So then the energy must start matching up to the frequency that you're, that you're emanating. And then through the commanding of your energies, you'll start to be able to do real magic. You'll start to be able to do anything. And once that's mastered, once that aspect is mastered, we then begin to harness and command energies outside of the energies that we've been given to use to create. And that's when you're doing the highest level magic. Mm. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that process of self-mastery. Sort of where do you see people beginning? Um, I know everyone may have a different starting point wherever they are incarnating, whether they're tuning into the show right now, wherever they are right now. But how do you outline for someone this path You've mentioned that self-mastery and self-discipline and self-control are some of the most important aspects of being incarnated. So how would you begin to outline for someone this path of, of self-mastery? I mean, something that you did, putting your body back together, that highlights a high level of self-mastery. Maybe not everyone's soul chooses to have that experience, um, but how do you outline for someone that they can also achieve self-mastery wherever they are right now incarnated in this life? Beautiful question. Okay, my third book that comes out next August are Teachings of Self-Mastery. So mm. the short answer is we get the book when that comes out because it's it's the Teachings of Self-Mastery. Okay, but in terms of your question and, and our conversation, we so we are the I am, a divine intelligence, which is really our level of love and wisdom who subsets our talents and abilities. Okay, that's what we actually are. Now that I am, that creator is given energy to create. Self-mastery is complete control over the energy that you are given in order to create. That's what self-mastery actually is. So if we use energy for everything, which we do, every thought is a manipulation of energy, emotion, as I talk with my hands, moving my, moving my hands, everything is us commanding and manipulating energy. Self-mastery is total control over the energy that you're commanding. That's what self-mastery is. Now, that start, from my perspective, that starts with the ability to endlessly and perpetually be present. So in other words, not thinking, 
right? Meditation, uh-oh, meditation. Okay. The self, the I am, what we are is meditation, Emilio. We exist before there's a thought, okay? Descartes is an idiot. I think, therefore I am. Incor the materialist. And, yeah, <laughs> incorrect. You are before there's a thought. Okay, he's completely and utterly wrong. Completely and utterly wrong. It set humanity back in terms of philosophy and consciousness a, a great deal. It, annoy, it annoys me. It's a pet peeve. Okay, so the ability to be present. Now, how do we do that? Okay, there's all, as you know, there's all sorts of what I call magic tricks for instantaneous meditation in that book and in, and in the second book and in the third book, by the way. So the ability to be present. Now, all we have to do is just pretend that we just arrived here. No past, no future. Now, what happens is the energy drops down out of your mental body because mental body thinking past, future, past, future. Okay, pretend you just arrived here. No past, no future. The energy actually, if we could see this, what actually happens is the energy drops down out of the mental body, drops down out of the emotional body and actually starts to sit and it's where the gas tank is within human form, which is just beneath the belly button above the groin. Now we have total mental clarity and complete emotional stability. Now we're at the starting point of self-mastery. We have complete command over our energy. Now it's our, it's our ability through self-control and self-discipline, our ability to create the life that we most desire, that is most representative of our higher self and our higher mind. And we can only do that through the commanding and manipulation of our energies. So as soon as the energy goes back up, what I call into personhood, into the emotional body and the mental body, which is just the programs that are running here, we've lost self-control and we have no self-discipline and therefore there is no self-mastery. So the most important teaching is the ability to be present and to maintain that. And that's what people call meditation. But we are meditation. The self is meditation. We don't have to do anything to be present. All our effort and straining is in trying to be someone and something that we're not. So when we start to realize the truth, it's effortless to be present. And now you have complete command of your energy. And the more present that you are, the more you're going to start to detach, detach from all the identifications, concepts, ideologies, roles, and all your energy starts to come back to you. Now, once you have all of your energy, you are immensely powerful. And now through the self-control and self-discipline that we've learned through being present perpetually, we can now command our energy powerfully like an authentic master, and we can create anything that we truly desire. So it starts from the ability to be present and then being able to let the I am or the true self dictate or speak to us in the, without words this feeling, this knowingness of what it is that is best for us and best for the collective simultaneously. And that's when you're knowing you're working with your true self. It's for your highest good and everyone else's highest good simultaneously. If it's just for your highest good, that's your ego mind identity. If it's just for everyone else's higher good, that's just your ego mind identity playing tricks on you. So they should be both synonymous working together. And it's the commanding of your energy, having full complement and command over your energy and being able to operate that way from a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis is the strongest and most important aspect of actual self-mastery. Mm. And RJ, I'm gonna need some help 
for my guides putting this question into words, but it was just an insight that came through as you were explaining that. And that is, if we spend so much time and energy on the mental body, on the emotional body, that's not truly who we are. That's putting our energy outside of us. Then why was the mental body and the emotional body created in the first place? Great question. Okay. So the lower frequency, where we are, the lower frequencies of the physical universe are an experience of limitation. Okay. So let's back up and have a very large picture from a, from a higher consciousness or enlightened perspective. What, what are we really talking about here? Okay. What we are <clears throat> is immortal, perfect, divine, whole just like a fractal of God. We are a fractal of God. We're lacking nothing, missing nothing, and we're literally immortal. So what does a limitless, immortal, perfect creator being like to experience? Limitation. What's that? Right. What's that like? What's, what's it like not to be connected to everything and everyone perpetually? What would that be like? What would it like to be so disconnected from where we normally reside and having complete, think of it as the, the fastest high-speed internet, everything is connected, right? And all the way down here, we're just working with an abacus, right? We have no connectivity, no bandwidth to anything down here. So an immortal perfect creator being wants to experience everything. And part of that, what it wants to experience is limitation. And by being able to reconnect to who self-realization, enlightenment, or God consciousness, which is even past that, by being able to reconnect with who and what we really are when it's the most difficult to do it is where we get the most growth. The most evolution happens when we're here. Enlightenment does not occur, <clears throat> excuse me, when you leave your body. It only occurs when you're incarnate because that's where it's most difficult. So here's one more silly analogy. Very, uh, think of the <clears throat> high diving, like in the Olympics off the, off the diving board, right? So Emilio, if someone does a swan dive and it's perfect, right? It's like a seven, six and a half second. It's an easy dive. That's a, I can sort of do a swan, right? Okay. So that's an easy, that's an easy dive, right? But then someone gets up there, triple backwards, flip, somersault, right? And they do a really good, not perfect, but a really good job. That's a nine, 9.5. So what are we talking about here? Degree of difficulty. Mm. The evolution of our consciousness happens through the degree of difficulty. Now, that's why we're here. Because hum humanity is an experiment. I'll take it a little further. Humanity is an experiment. It's an experiment in individualized free will. Because it pretends the greatest efficacy of the evolution of consciousness possible because we all get to evolve in our own way and in our own time. And God is obsessed. And I mean it. God is obsessed with the efficacy of the evolution of consciousness. And so am I. So am I. So when we work with ourselves properly, like the teachings in these books, we are working with ourselves optimally. And to do, we have to do that when we're all the way down here in the lower frequencies of the physical universe so we can experience limitation, so we can see ourselves in the act of creation. Things are so slow here. We can see ourselves in the act of creation and overcoming our limitations, and that in and of itself is the evolution of consciousness. And it's why souls are projected into the lower frequencies of the physical universe. Yeah. 
and you've had the opportunity to see what it was like for other maybe species or planets other than humanity. You mentioned that humanity is an experiment in individualized free will. You said the other other civilizations or other species have this sort of hive mind where they sort of operate like a, I think of it sort of like ants or bees. You see all the bees, like they, they go together, like they're a hive. So what is it like for those beings, species? Why did they choose to be incarnated in that hive mind? Is there also as much evolution there than it is here with individualized free will? What are sort of these differences that they have? There's there's less potential for the evolution of consciousness because it's it's group think. So you can't go at your own pace. You just mm. can't. So it has to be everyone moving at the same speed with the same understanding, which which is what makes it so difficult to be here having a human experience because the collective consciousness has a great deal in terms of the reality that we're experiencing because reality is created based upon what we believe to be real and true. That's it. Let me say that again. Reality is created based upon what we believe to be real and true. That's all. There's nothing here, Emilio. It's all undifferentiated stem cells. Energy is pure potential. Now, if there's so many beings seeing and experiencing things in the same way, that makes it difficult for the individual to break through that. Now, for a human being. Okay. So that's why the company that you keep is very important. More important than people realize. Okay. Now, when we talk about these other uh, species and beings, they have incarnated and those beings also incarnate uh, in human form. But they want to experience what it's like as we have. We've all had human, just as many human, uh, excuse me, just as many alien lifetimes as human lifetimes. That's what I said. That's right. So they want to experience what it's like to be collective and have to work together as a group. And then we have the human experience where it's like we can actually do the opposite. We can actually not have to work as a group, not have to work in that way. We can work individually for our own evolution. But at the same time, the more that we work with ourselves optimally, the more that we're affecting the collective consciousness and moving forward, which is why authentic self-realization and enlightenment is so important because one authentically enlightened individual is like a lighthouse. And it, it sheds light in an area bathed in darkness. And make no mistake about it, the lower frequencies of the physical universe is the only area in the multiverse that is bathed in darkness. And so working with ourselves optimally is the greatest thing that we can do for ourselves and the collective simultaneously. But what we call alien, and we're all alien, no one's from here. So when we talk about gray aliens, reptilian aliens, all these different kinds, these are... They operate with a hive mind with a very limited sense of individuality to operate exactly how they how they desire in terms of their own evolution. While here, we can do the exact opposite. The greatest evolution, but there's always a balance. The greatest evolution possible is when we can evolve in our own way in our own time. So we have incarnations as a human being, and then we have incarnations as an alien. And that gets balanced out by us having to work with a collective and operating within a, within a collective. So they both occur and they both occur endlessly. The average soul has about 35,000. From my direct experience, the average soul has about 35,000 lifetimes. And many of them are alien. Many of them are human, many of them are alien. And for those that are here, they're evolving through incarnation. Uh, and the only beings that are evolving, that are not evolving through incarnation, 
that are still incarnating are the ascended masters who never had to be involved in the evolutionary process to begin with. They're the, they're the teachers of it. But that's really the difference. Individualized free will and collective consciousness. And you're, and you're right. It is very ant-like. And there are aliens that look just like that. Ants, insects, much larger beings with a higher sense of intelligence. Arachnids and all these different kind of things. And anyone who astral projects or does things, you can encounter these things. They're everywhere. They're here right now. They're just outside of physical sensory perception. You change your radio dial go up in frequency through meditation, you'll be able to start to perceive all the other things that are here. And some of which are those aliens that we just spoke about. Yeah. And of those 36,000 lifetimes that a soul incarnates into, are there a lot that you are remembering now and what's coming through for you from those? Yeah. So there's, um, well, okay, let me exp explain it this way. Uh, self-realization to me self-realization and enlightenment are the same thing okay now what that actually is is full communion with your higher self right the octopus right? so mm -hmm. the tentacle right okay so you're able to have direct communion with the much larger you right now when you have direct communion with the much larger you you then experience all these other incarnations you realize that they are you and you are them because it's all from the higher self, right? So full communion, it's the opposite of what people think, from my perspective, it's the opposite of what people think self-realization or enlightenment is. It's like the ego mind identity is gone, right? It's No, no, the individuality is gone. What actually remains are all these characters that were created because the, the traits and abilities that they developed through their, their human personalities are useful for other incarnations. Uh, right so it's the opposite you can bring you so you can bring those in everything so if I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of neo in the matrix or he goes i know kung fu it's sort of like maybe tapping into a lifetime where you were a scholar in mathematics and all of a sudden if you can bring that knowledge down to this is, is that possible yeah yeah that's brilliant so that's what it is and i'll, I'll, I'll give a, a tangible example for myself there was a there was a time um during the healing process uh and i was still still going through the the uh the transcendence of, of so-called permanent paralysis and i had hit almost like a i, I want to say like a sticking point there was a point where i wasn't bringing my body to another level of its own liberation and transcendence over the paralysis and i can vividly recall because I, I was on the ground i had been forcing myself to walk and i had, I had fallen and anyone who's you know, who has been paralyzed or knows someone. I mean, when you're authentically paralyzed and you fall on the ground, it, it can be very difficult to get up. And I was paralyzed from the chest down. So it was very difficult to, to get up, right? Okay, but that's not the point. I can remember the moment that I was on the ground and I realized that I needed a little more. I needed a little more, if that makes sense. And in that moment, because of the communion with my higher self, I actually downloaded more of what I am or more of the higher self. And it came into me. And in that moment, I literally got right up. I got right up and my partner at the time witnessed it too. Absolutely, absolutely witnessed it. So we can download more of who and what we really are. Absolutely. And when we're authentically self-realized or enlightened, we can do it at will when it's authentically needed, when mm -hmm. it's authentically needed, not for some egoic, like, let me show off or, you know, something like that. It's not going to work that way. Right. 
let me let me pull a backflip in on on the on in this party right here (laughs) right if it if it's if it's in alignment with your life plan and you're working with yourself that optimally you can actually down and i believe paramahansa yogananda if i recall properly he talks about being able to do that with his own higher self uh and in this incarnation as rj i was able to do that when i needed it i authentically needed it and it was able to happen so we we can pull in these abilities this this the ability to transmute and transcend low frequency energy and the healing a lot of this has to do with other incarnations uh, from the, the higher self that i'm from the higher self that i'm from the projections of it are what we call ascended masters so i'm able to tap into these things and that's why i'm able to unparalyze myself experience these things and teach these things so when i needed it like when i woke up from emergency surgery i needed it and that's when the remembering all this information about how these things really work actually came back to me. But we can call upon it in the moment. We absolutely can. But if we're, Emilio, if we're operating with uh, with just within the parameters of the collapsed consciousness, the fragmented mind or the subconscious pattern egoic mind, then we have no access. It's like, we, you know, the glass ceiling. We're going to hit the glass ceiling, right? So if we're operating properly, though, We are connected to who and what we really are. And whatever we need in the moment will be available to us. Mm, I love that. I had a fun question for you, which was, who is this being that has been known through centuries uh, called Thoth or Hermes? Um, What do you know about that being? Plenty. So that's, that's the being from the same higher self that produces Buddha. Hermes Trimagistus, Hermes Thrice Great, Hermes the Great, Hermes the Great, Hermes the Great, right? So mm-hmm. that's the same being from the same higher self. That's the being that we know as, as Buddha. Now, that being, believe it or not, does most of its work off-world. Now, th- off-world, not on Earth. Yeah. Not on Earth. The most yeah. prolific ascended master in terms of uh, human incarnations is Master R, the being known as St. Germain, without question. Second would be El Moria. Master M. Those two beings work constantly with one another and they have the most incarnations. They've kind of taken Earth uh, mm, very near and dear to their heart. Let's put it that way. Very near and dear to their heart. Thoth? They have a love of humanity, my friend. A deep, deep love of humanity that words cannot capture. Uh, The the being known as Thoth lived roughly 400,000 years. That's what I said. Lived roughly 400,000 years and founded Atlantis. Most of our esoteric wisdom and knowledge come from two beings, Thoth and Master Art. Yeah. The Emerald Tablets. Yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. Most of what humanity uses comes from, in terms of esoteric and metaphysics, comes from the being Buddha or Thoth and Master R, St. Germain. That's where most of humanity gets it from. And I'll add a little bit to that. Most of their work, when they work together, and all the Ascended Masters work, work together, uh, El Moria and Master R do the most work together without a question and saint germain work, works with everybody he's very he's very busy master R is very busy so 
the 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 reason why the being known as uh, Buddha or Thoth and the being known as Master R or Saint Germain uh, do so much work and the consciousness uh, in terms of esoteric wisdom and metaphysics is because the gods that they are projected from as they are children of the Elohim, those gods decided to create in a similar way. So let me, uh, without it making no sense at all, and maybe none of this makes any sense, but the idea that those those gods, Emilio, didn't create anything low frequency. So our God, right, created a multiverse, which and we're in the low frequency. So God created a low frequency environment and a high frequency environment, right? The the multiverse. Okay. Some of these gods, when they did their quote unquote version of the multiverse, which is nothing like this multiverse, but they created nothing, nothing of low frequency. So everything that is produced by those two gods is of supremely high frequency. And so therefore, the consciousness and the understandings embodied by their projections, which we know as Master R and Thoth, are of the supremest frequencies in terms of understanding the mind and metaphysics and how it works. So there's a similar, to say there's a similar vibe, I'm really reducing. I'm really reducing it. That's not the right way to say it. But from from a human perspective, they are supremely high frequency. There's nothing low frequency. And so they're able to work with themselves. They're able to work with each other, really. And they do most of their work with when they work with together. It's off world. But mm. they're so high frequency and therefore their teachings and their embodiments are, are supremely high frequency. Yeah, because in, even in the Emerald Tablet, which which we've known that the writer, the scribe for that, has been Thoth. Um, he even also mentions that he was the builder of the pyramids, and he also mentioned now that Atlantis. So, why did he build the pyramids? You said he only builds things of high vibe, and these are obviously are things um, structures that have been around for much more than we actually have been told. Um, and, and the pyramid was actually built with the intention of lasting basically eternity. Um, why did he build these structures on earth? Okay, so th we could think of some of these pyramids as if, you're, if they're used properly, they're used for enlightenment or self-realization. They're not coffins or whatever it is, whatever story. <laughs> it's the opposite. Uh, well, the death of the ego, maybe we say it that way. The, mm. the, the coffins are used for the death of the ego mind identity and actual enlightenment and transcendence. And it's by connecting, they're like energy amplifiers from much higher frequencies. And so you step into certain areas of those of those pyramids. It's literally like you're. Uh, if you put something in a hot tub, it's going to get hot. So if you step into this environment that's been created, that's supremely high frequency, it's it's literally going to obliterate all your low frequency misperceptions, misunderstandings, and misidentifications. And what remains is really you. And what what you really are is God. And that's what enlightenment and self realization actually becomes the attunement to that. So these were these were designed to to reach enlightenment, and these were designed to be energy amplifiers from these other star systems to assist in the evolution of of humanity and its consciousness. Because you also talk about the like the power of the spoken word. So do you believe if if one would go into one of these pyramids or structures, is there a certain um, a friend of mine, Robert Edward Grant, he calls it like a multi-factor authentication code hmm. um, that once 
attuned to or toned inside the pyramids, um, we could really benefit from its full potential. That's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, words are spells. The spoken word is a spell. And the voice inside our head is the spell that, as if Merlin were here, the voice inside our head is the spell we're putting over ourselves. So we got meaning from words based upon when there was a vibration emanated out, the effects that that emanation had upon the energies in the ether are what gave meaning to that emanation. And that's where we get the definition or meaning of words. So now speech is one way that we can, and we talk about that in some of the books, right? Speech is one way that we can reprogram and actually elevate our consciousness. Now, if we were to speak in that kind of environment, I would just put it this way. We don't need to speak in those kind of environments. That's why I said that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's uh, incorrect. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that you don't need to speak. In those high-frequency environments, speech is not necessary. In fact, there won't even be a desire to speak. Once you start to reach higher-frequency states of consciousness, everything is telepathic. And so and speech becomes use, is useless. Useless. And so when I do my work or whatever you want to call that, I'm not, there's, I'm not using my mouth and I don't hear higher vibrational, higher sentient beings speaking with me. It's telepathic. And as we move into the fourth frequency and fifth frequency, we're going to start to work more with our astral self. And that has nothing to do with that. We become less and less physical and more and more of what we really are. And so the telepathy will become online. If we stopped using, <laughs> if we stopped using uh, the technologies that we have today, we would actually, all of us would be much more telepathic, much more telepathic. So it depends on our intention of why we're using it. If we didn't have the ability to get on a call like this and we were forced to connect through telepathy, I mean, think about how much better we would be at these things. So I, I would just say speech is not, um, you won't be impelled or compelled to speak when you're in a high frequency environment. But I would say that when you do start doing it, there is a decoding that happens. And it mm. almost become it almost becomes impossible to speak falsely. And maybe that's what your your friend is, is sort of getting at about this decoding. I would absolutely agree with that. But I would also say you won't even have a desire to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I had a friend, another friend, <laughs> he got the chance to live with the indigenous tribes down in Colombia. Mm. Um, and he mentioned the story to me where they sort of brought him in and he was living with them for a while. And at night they would gather around a fire, the men, and they would sit in silence, but they'd be in such stillness and silence that he would start receiving thoughts from some of the other members that were on in that circle. And there are moments, uh, in that in that period around the fire where they would they would all laugh at the same time almost like if someone told the joke and they're all laughing but no words were being exchanged is is that where the rest of humanity is headed obviously these are tribes that are completely shut off from civilization they don't have a lot of technology um, but they have the inner technology is mm. that where sort of we're heading or are we deviating where do you see humanity right now <laughs> What a, what a great observation. It's going to be up to humanity. What, 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 do we, what do we most desire to experience? We're going to get to choose. Uh, 
Nothing is written. We, we create moment to moment. People talk about, oh, it's prophecy. Oh, it's this garbage. We create our reality from moment to moment. That's based upon what we most desire to experience and how what frequency we're emanating. So humanity can go either way. I could tell you for a fact I didn't come here for the de-evolution. I wouldn't be here for that. I can tell you that for a fact. So I think we're going to start to see a blend, if you ask me. I think we're going to start to see more advanced technologies that are working in the direction for the liberation and freeing of humanity, such as healing, connecting our consciousness. But we have to tread that very lightly because what sounds like a great idea often has a very negative intention behind it. Okay? And only through detachment, not identifying with what's going on, will we be able to discern what's really best for us. And I hope everyone remembers what I just said. Only through detachment will we be able to discern what's best for us. Right? Some things may look great and they're not. Some things may look, oh, I'm not really sure, but look into it. That actually pretends the greatest evolution of consciousness possible. It's going to be up to us, Emilio, what it is that we, what it is that we want to experience. Um, the greatest technology that's ever been created is our consciousness. The more that we work with that directly, the, the greater the evolution of our consciousness will unfold and the more that we'll feel like ourselves. But I do think there'll be a blend. There'll be some interesting technologies that get released that already exist. But there'll be some interesting technologies that get released. And as we're moving up in frequency, more of our astral abilities come online. And a rising tide lifts all ships. So if someone is already, let's say, I'll use the word psychic. I hate, I hate that word. But anyway, let's say someone is very psychic, right? And we start moving up the frequency. Their ability, so they get a boost too. So their abilities are going to become even more prominent and and, uh, uh, and profound. So that's how that works. So we want to work with ourselves optimally. And as we ascend the frequencies, more and more talents and abilities come online. So those that are working with themselves in a masterful way, as, as we move up in frequency, they're going to have access to anything and anything that they desire that they need in order to help themselves and help humanity simultaneously. So... Um, I think it's going to be a blend. I feel like it's going to be a blend. And I want to reiterate what I just said. I didn't come here for the de-evolution of consciousness. That's not what I'm here for. So I want everyone to take that to heart. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you equate consciousness with the sentience that you talk about? Yeah. I, I, sometimes I use them interchangeably. So sentience, just to recap, sentience is our... Our, our level, amount, or weight, believe it or not, of our divine intelligence. And don't associate intelligence with thinking, because thinking has nothing to do with intelligence or knowing. In fact, it's the opposite. So when I, when I say divine intelligence, I'm talking about our level of love and wisdom, whose subsets are our talents and abilities. Now, that's what we all are. That's the I am. That's the God. That's the sentience. Right Now, that has been given energy to create with. Now, there is a difference between sentience and consciousness, and there's various levels of consciousness, right? All we have to do is look outside for a moment, right? The, the level of sentience or consciousness that is a tree, as I'm looking at a tree, is not the same as our dog or cat or as your neighbor, right? So our God created through variance. Now, it's all God, but it's not the same. It's all God, but it's not the same. Clearly, there's massive variance of levels of sentience or degrees of consciousness. Huh. Now, sen 
Sentience is the key. Once something becomes sentient, that means it has the ability to be self-aware and evolve itself through its own creativity. Artificial intelligence. Right. Well, the only artificial intelligence is the ego mind identity. (laughs) That's the, my friend, that's the true artificial intelligence. So when we can, when we can learn through our own creativity, we become, we become sentient. And and then once, when it, when we're not there yet, there's levels of consciousness, like let's say some of the cells in our body, right? The, some of our kidney cell, I'm just picking something, our kidney cells they're programmed, they have a certain level of intelligence and they're programmed to run a certain function and they keep running that, they keep running that program. They're not sentient because they can't evolve themselves through through creativity. Hmm. And if we start to look at it from a very detached and higher consciousness perspective, we'll start to see life this way. We'll start to see this various levels, but what we'll also see is that it's all God, is that it's all God. And when we can finally recognize the I am that's within you, that same I am is in everything else. I mean, what harm can you do to others when you see yourself in others? Yeah. How do you start a war with that mentality? You can't. You can't. So, and yeah. this, this hopefully, you know, we'll get an energetic slap in the face and wake up and let's stop hurting each other. I mean, let's just stop, stop. You're hurting yourself. That's God inside that body, right? The same, the same I am that's in you is the same I am that's in them, that's inside a dog, that's inside a cat, that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right? It's all one thing, Emilio. So everything is designed for us to come together. And we're going to have to embrace that because that's, that's the timeless truth. It's all one thing. So everything is designed for us to come together. Period. Full stop. And hopefully we all start to wake up to that truth. And when someone is asked, where is your sentience, they might point to their head, right? And you had a very beautiful analogy of the periscope and a submarine um, to describe where our sentience resides in the physical body, if you'd like to uh, show people where, where it is actually so they can connect to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one, right? So um, most of us are familiar with the periscope, right? It comes up sort of like out of the submarine. It's kind of like binoculars or a viewfinder, right? And it's above the boat, outside, looking out. Okay. Now, the one that's looking through the periscope is the captain who's way down deep in the hull of the ship, right? Okay. Now, we, the I am, the sentience, is way down deep in the hull of the ship. And when we're incarnate, our sentience, what we really are, sits between the heart and the spine. And this is why people indicate themselves, they point to the center of their chest and they go, me, right here. They don't go, me, because there ain't nothing up here. That's why they don't go, just like there's no musicians in your radio, there's no consciousness in your mind. This is a receiver of frequencies that scrambles it. This is a receiver, that's what this is. The captain, sits right between the heart and the spine, and this is a periscope. Now, the more that we can operate that way, we'll start to feel the the, the tangible sensation of who and what we really are literally sitting in the center of our chest. And that will foster self-realization and detachment. So it's a, a silly little analogy, so to speak, but its efficacy is profound. When you actually start to just use this as a periscope, because the five senses kind of come in through here, right? Eyes, ears, right? So the five senses are coming in, but this is the one that's perceiving it. 
This is the one that's perceiving it. And when you allow this, what you really are, to perceive it, judgment will stop because judgment is simply your conditioned mind. And judgment says everything about the one doing the judging and nothing about what is being judged. So you get to see your own conditioned mind in action if you can reside as the captain who's way down deep in the hull of the ship and this is a periscope. And then all of a sudden the conditioned mind, you start to see your conditioning, your conditioning, which has nothing to do with your projecting it upon anyone else. So it's, it's an effective analogy. And if we can just allow ourselves to be the captain and just let this be a viewfinder, our frequency will start to raise and we'll feel more like ourselves, which is loving and wise. Yes, and it almost feels like we are evolving out of or beyond the five senses right now. That leads us directly into this topic. I know a lot of people on that are hearing us are either parents or they're thinking about children. You talked about this wave of evolved souls that are being summoned or called uh, for the mission to come down to earth. Dolores Cannon also talked about this in her three waves of the volunteers. Mm -hmm. So for someone that might have these uh, young children or thinking about children, what can you advise to parents about the souls that are the powerful souls that are coming in right now to help humanity in this shift uh, of consciousness? That they're going to be the teachers of the new earth. I mean, that, that's what's happening. The more, the more sentient or evolved souls are coming in, a whole wave of them. You're part of that wave. You know this. So you're part of this wave, too, of these younger, younger, well, younger than me. I'm old. Young, younger people that are more evolved that get it much more quickly. It's almost like you're starting on second base or third base, if that makes sense what I'm saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these, these younger souls that are coming out, they're going to be starting on third base. They're going to get all the stuff we're talking about. They're going to be like, yeah, of course. I already knew that. Course, duh. They're not going to listen to the show. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to be operating in, in such a way that it's going, to, it's going to elevate humanity in terms of its own evolution. So right now, what or at least how I see my earthly work as RJ, is to plant the seeds of the wisdom that transcends knowledge. I have no intention of enjoying the shade from the trees that get planted. I want everyone else to enjoy the shade from the trees that get planted from the wisdom that transcends knowledge. But these younger, these younger souls that are coming in are, are going to be the teachers of the new earth. They're going to be far less affected by physicality. They're going to identify far, far less with what goes on in terms of the physical realm. They're going to have a knowingness that transcends the thinking mind automatically. They're just going to know. They're going to see something and they're going to know. Their BS meter is going to be off the charts. They're like, no, no, not for me. Not authentic. Not right. Not real. They will know automatically. And this, they come in waves. Absolutely right. Dolores was on the money. Of course. So they, they come in waves and they help us move up, the, ascend the frequencies. And a rising tide lifts all ships. So if someone is thinking about bringing, creating a, creating a life, right, be prepared for them to be your teacher. Because most likely, any souls that are coming in now, right now, are going to be highly, highly evolved. And they're not going to operate. They won't. It'll be so difficult to fool them. It'll be so difficult for them to get involved in an attached way to what is going on. They're going to be operating in a much more higher frequency way. And uh, it's inevitable. What is happening is, is inevitable. 
And uh, I'm looking forward. I mean, I, I know how many years I have left as RJ. So I'm looking forward to seeing another wave of higher frequency beings coming in and exactly what it is that they do. They're going to anchor in a higher frequency is really what they're going to do. They're going to anchor in a higher frequency. They're going to be less identified with physicality. They're going to be less identified with concepts, beliefs. They're going to have a knowingness that's off the charts. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. And one, in, one interesting thing there is that we tend to put knowledge up on this pedestal. And, and you know, when, when we're describing someone, we might say, oh, they're so knowledgeable. They know so much. A lot of the times it's coming from the intellect. That's one of my shadows. When I look into the gene keys, the intellect is one mm -hmm. of the shadows. Um, that's my life's work is transcending the intellect. Um, when we talk about knowledge, for some people that even tuning into the show, a lot of this information might, obviously it's wisdom that's transcending knowledge, but is, what can you talk about um, on the topic of knowledge so people can watch out and be like, is this knowledge or is this wisdom? Am I am I putting mm. this up on a pedestal of being knowledgeable or am I residing in that transcendent, unconditional wisdom that we all have access to? Oh, great, another great question. Okay, wisdom is timeless. It's not contextual. It's always applicable and always true. So that's what wisdom is. Now, so the reason why the intellect is deified and put on such a, a pedestal is because it's easily manipulated and controlled. Oh. That, that's why, my friend. So if you control what I call perception management, perception management is the, the controlling of what it is our five senses are allowed to perceive. And that's the data stream that comes in through the five senses that forms the intellect. So the intellect is easily manageable and controllable because it's, it's based upon physical sensory perception, which is heavily managed on, on our planet. Heavily managed. So that's why the intellect is deified, because it's easily controlled and manipulated. Wisdom is not. Wisdom is, cannot be controlled or manipulated or led astray, because it's timeless, because it's always the truth. It's not contextual. It's not, it's not fooled by what's going on here. So the difference between wisdom and, and the intellect is everything. Wisdom is born of the I am. The intellect is born of the of the finite human mind. And from my perspective, it's almost meaningless, useless to me. That's just you know, my perspective. I don't have a high regard for the intellect. And in fact, if you look, I'm certainly not going to name names. If you look at people in our current timeline that are deified for being so smart and these tremendous intellectuals and look at some of the things that they've done personally and what it is that they advocate how they've been fooled, how they've been manipulated, right? Because it's not wisdom. They can't see through it. Wisdom is the key. And by the way, if you said your life plan is that the transcendence of the intellect and to be able to operate with true wisdom, then you are right on point, my friend. That is exactly right. And the, the, the way to jumpstart that is detachment, is detachment, is to pretend that you just arrived here, no past, no future. That will give you space. You won't be running a story. You won't be running any programming. And the only thing that's going to come online is the depth of your own I am. And now the wisdom is online because you're not running some program of a whole bunch of information that you've memorized that's been presented to you. Yeah. 
that you're supposed to accept as knowledge. The only real knowledge is knowledge of self, which is gnosis. Yeah. That's the only real knowledge. And I, I know you won't name names, but I will. <laughs> 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 but I mean, as you were describing that, it came to mind is, you know, a movie right now that's come up for the collective is the story of Oppenheimer. And that's a clear mm -hmm. example of where the intellect and knowledge can can take a wrong turn because wisdom would have never allowed um, that nuclear uh, weapon mm -hmm. to be created in the first place. So I just wanted to mention that so people can have like a context of or an example of what we're talking about. Um, but we're going to end it on a beautiful note. Um, mm -hmm. We end every podcast, brother, with a segment called the final trio, which are questions that you can they're personalized to you that you can answer in any way that you want um the last question we ask at the end of every show but before that where can people connect with you where can they connect with your books your courses we're going to link and everything uh in the show notes in the description so um where would you send people to connect with you the the website is ascendthefrequencies.com and you can see what courses are coming up what classes are, are, are available. Uh, there's three books right now that are available for purchase. The first one is Supercharged Self-Healing, which came out the end of 2021, which is in its eighth printing, which is amazing. Thank, thank you, everyone. The second book that came out last August is called Change Your Mind, which debuted as a bestseller. This is the, the blueprint to deprogram all these limiting patterns. That's available on Amazon. And my third book, which does not come out till next August 8th, called Access Superconsciousness are the teachings of self-mastery, 24 teachings and 24 meditations that go along with them. Also information on the four, the four levels, as I experience it, the four levels of self-realization and information on the Ascended Masters. That's called Access Superconsciousness. That can be pre-ordered on Amazon. And we're about to release uh, my entire 2024 schedule of upcoming courses and classes that'll probably come out before the end of November, November of 2023. And there will be some live events. There will be a workshop. There will be a retreat. Uh, I'm not ready to announce their locations yet, but these will be Colombia. I do want to go to Europe. I actually do want to go to Europe, but uh, go to ascendthefrequencies.com. My Instagram is ascend 12 RJ Spina and the YouTube is Ascend the Frequencies RJ Spina and I'm always just like this there's probably a hundred hours of interviews of me I've done tons and tons of videos called Everyday Enlightenment where people email questions and I give a enlightened perspective or answer on their question um, I would just say if this information resonates with you deeply then avail yourself of the books avail yourself the courses and classes live there's nothing like them what I teach is not taught anywhere on this planet or any other planet for that matter. So if it resonates with you, jump in and take a course and avail yourself of the books. They'll change your life. Yeah, bro, you're just getting fucking started. I can feel it. I can feel <laughs> it, man. I'm so excited for you. Um, this is not in the final trio, but just out of curiosity, why do you choose the date 8-8, August 8th, uh, to release your books? It, it's what's called the Lion's Gate. It's a portal where there's alignment of energies, which uh, portends um, the releasing 
of stagnant energies and the movement forward into a new reality, into a new state of consciousness. And uh, the teachings in my books are, are, are literally uh, representative and symbolic of this age that we're moving into. And so to release them on uh, the Lionsgate is very representative of what will happen when you avail yourself of these teachings. We're moving into this higher state of consciousness. And so I give my uh, publisher a hard time and say, it's got to be released. It's got to be released <laughs> on August. Like, all right, RJ. All right, all right fine. So that, that's why, that's why I, do I I mean, I'm the same. If you were to ask you when this podcast launched, you'd be surprised. Um, it was on February 22nd of 2002. So two, 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 yeah. two. Uh, and then I just released um, a, cl a clothing uh, line uh, for just uh, embroidered messages that have, for example, this says just tap in. I have another one, uh, all paths lead inward and then as above, so below. Just like really th those are some of the philosophies that have guided me um, in this journey and in this podcast. So I know the importance of picking those dates. Um, because a lot of energy in those portals open up. So I love that your books are being released. Now people won't forget Lionsgate. Think of RJ. <laughs> He's going to be releasing a new book. Um, amazing brother. Uh, for the final trio, the first question I had for you was, I know you've mentioned before that you are very detached from the human experience, but I'd love to ask you, what do you love the most about the human experience? Sometimes a, 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 a deep sea diver has to put on a suit and dive in and go deep in the water to do work on a, on a sunk boat or ship. So for myself, from when I do my earthly work, the, the ability to put on a suit, the human suit, <clears throat> and be here with all of you and to have the shared experience, uh, the the collective experience of, of physicality itself. Um, I think what I love most is that we're all here together, working together at the same time. I think that's what I love the most. Hmm. I love that. And what is true freedom? <laughs> true freedom is the true freedom is not doing whatever you want whenever you want. True freedom is the liberation from the pattern subconscious mind and limiting body consciousness. Do you want to say that again? Just to drop it in. For True people? freedom is not doing whatever you want, whenever you want. True freedom is the liberation and transcendence from the patterned subconscious egoic mind and limiting body consciousness. Hmm. Amazing, brother. The last question, we call it the time capsule. So it's like an analogy, sort of hypothetical situation where we're looking down 15, 20, 25 years down the line for humanity into the future. And the younger souls right now, the younger generations at that point in human history are going to be stepping into leadership positions all around the world, whether that's through business, politics, science, you know, spiritual organizations. And you had the opportunity to leave behind a time capsule 
for these next generation of leaders. Um, this is a, it's not necessarily a physical time capsule. You can put in anything that you want in there. Um, doesn't have to be physical. And when these next generation leaders are opening, opening your time, to ca time capsule, they are going to have the tools uh, necessary to lead in the new earth. So in, I would just summon your imagination to what would you include into this time capsule? and leave behind for the next generations of leaders? A great question. Everything that I'm producing is RJ. The books, the videos, the courses. And I, I'm literally doing your question. I'm literally doing it. I'm going to leave behind the wisdom that transcends knowledge, which are going to be the teachings that humanity is going to use for the next 300 years to move themselves into a higher state of frequency, a higher consciousness at a higher frequency. So everything that I'm producing is RJ. And I think the one thing I would add to that is the violet flame. Mm. I'm a being yeah. of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. Uh, I would say that too, which I left behind before. Yeah. But I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, the violet flame has been in this whole, throughout the whole conversation. I felt it. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I see you, brother. It's been such a pleasure just to get to know your work. I have a feeling that we're going to be doing this again much more often. I would love to, um, if that's something you're up to. And man, just wishing you the best on this, on this never-ending journey of evolution. And thank you so much for sharing just a little sip of that with us here today and i really hope that people go and and just drink the whole the whole faucet <laughs> because there's a lot in there so appreciate you so much thank you so much amelia for having me on like i said you're part of this wave of more evolved beings the role that you play and the work that you're doing is more important than you may realize right now just keep doing it and it would be my honor to be on here again with you i look forward to it me too brother much love Likewise.